So anyway, uh, where are we? 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 24. Uh, We think about love. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Father, thank you for your words this morning, your word which is sharper than a double-edged sword, uh, piercing between joints and marrow. Father, would you speak this morning and may we hear your voice if we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, we're thinking about love and, um, and, and John just says, verse 11, uh, we should love one another. So let's do that. Easy. Yeah, just, we should love each other. Should we? It's just the easiest thing in the world, isn't it? We all know about love. Our world is obsessed with, with love. You know, our world is just full of love. It's, it's the most obvious thing in the world, isn't it? We should just get on and love each other. But it's not very obvious, is it? It's not very easy, because if it was, the world wouldn't be the way that it is. You know, we wouldn't live in the world that we, you know, if it was just as simple as that, we should love one another. Let's just get on and do it. Actually, we're not very good at, we're not very good at loving each other. It's not something that comes easily or naturally. There is no, there is no reason uh, why we should just instinctively love one another. It's not something that has um, evolved. There's, no, there's absolutely no reason why, if we've just kind of evolved out of the primeval slime, we should love each other. And the reality is, uh, without God, we're not very good at it at all. We don't instinctively love each other. We, we find it relatively easy to love people who are like us. And uh, we find it relatively easy to, people, uh, to love people who are like us and who don't wind us up too much. And, uh, but actually the rest of people, we find it very difficult to love because people are just annoying and they're not like us. And uh, so we, kind of, we love the ones that are easy to love. But really loving people is, is really hard. Most of us are not very... Good at it. I had an epiphany a few years ago. It didn't hurt. 
Uh, but I had an epiphany. Uh, I had this sort of moment of, of, of revelation and, and realisation about love and, and about the way that I thought about love. And I was, uh, it came to me one evening uh, back when I was, uh, in, we were living in Ardingly and I was looking at the dishwasher. And uh, I had this revelation about, because I have got better over the years, but there was a point when I was very particular about the way the dishwasher should be loaded. It may just be me, uh, or it may just be a man, but, but I mean, there's something that's very particular, there's something about, there's a right way to load the dishwasher, and there's a wrong way to load the dishwasher. And um, I, was in, I was very anal about the way in which a dishwasher should be loaded. And I have to say, it was one of the things that used to wind Sarah up a lot, because she would load the dishwasher, and then I would look at it with horror. And then I would reload it and do it properly. And it really used to wind Sarah up. She was like, what's wrong with the way I've loaded it? And I'd like, where do I start? This is just, this is just terrible. But I had this, I had this moment of revelation. Where I was, and I was just thinking, why? Why am I so particular? Why is it so important to me that it's, it's done right? It's like, it was, it, was kind of, it was a real obsession that it had to be done right. And I had this thing that... I think sometimes the Lord uses these things. I just had this moment of, and it came to me, I thought, well, it has to be done right because it's only if you do it right that you get loved. Love is, for me, in my, in my thinking, love is a reward for doing it right. And I made this connection between that and, and my mum. And when I was growing up, I said a little bit about this on Thursday night. When I was growing up with my, with my mum, and, and I don't want you to kind of mishear me because she was, um, my mum was amazing and she, you know, she loved us with her whole heart, but she was a very broken and, and damaged individual. And so the way that she was able to communicate love was, was, was kind of damaged by that. But what it felt like as children were, was if we did things the right way, then we'd be rewarded with love. And the right way was my mum's way. And that was because that was the way that she had been Brought up, And so as a child, I'd made this connection between, uh, well, if you do things the right way, then you'll be loved. Love is a reward for living in the right kind of a way. And I, I imbibe that in my own, because when you're raised like that, that's what you learn. And um, when I look back on, certainly when my kids were younger, that was, that was almost how I, in lots of ways, I loved them. Was that if they did something, you know, if they did something well, if they did something the right way then I would kind of praise them. And if they didn't, then I wouldn't. And I look back with great regret on lots of their childhood because I don't think I, I kind of communicated love in the way that I wish that I had. But that's the reality. You know, we're, we're broken and we're, we're fallen. And the way that we, you know, the way that we love is not as it should be. And so when John says, you know, we should love one another, and we think, oh, that's easy. It isn't. It's really hard it doesn't come naturally. I don't know if... Um, who had 1 Corinthians 13 at their wedding? Who had, who had 1 Corinthians read at this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe did. You're probably, on the, you're, probably on the, you're probably on the same one. So, um, so, but lots of... When I was doing loads of weddings, uh, you know, in Ardingly and, uh, and up in Chesley Street... You know, usually this is kind of the, the default reading, particularly for people who aren't Christians, because they're like, oh, we choose a button, and like, oh, one Corinthians, so it's like, they're literally the only one they ever know. And I used to read it at weddings, and then after I'd, you know, when I'd read it, I'd say, isn't that the most depressing thing you've ever read in your life? 
Because the bar is set so high. You know, Paul writing 1 Corinthians 13, this is a description of love. And he says, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It, ha- it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I used to read that at weddings and I say, you know, how hard is that? You know, I've never loved anybody like that in my life. I've never been loved by anybody. It's, it sets the bar so extraordinarily high. How are you, if that's what love is, we're on a hiding to nothing. How can we possibly love each other like that? It's that little word, always. You know, if it said, you know, love sometimes protects, we, you know, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? Sometimes trust, sometimes hopes, but it's not. It's always. And the one that always gets me is, you know, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. Are you kidding? You know, the way, the way that we love each other, we keep a record of wrongs. Literally, don't we? We keep a record of wrongs. We've got a list. I remember um, when Sarah and I were first married, uh, we used to have what I like to term lively discussions on, uh, on a fairly regular basis about all sorts of things. And, um, and often in some of these lively discussions, I would, I would quite quickly realise, because this was usually the case, that I was going to have to eat humble pie because I was in the wrong. But, and I was going to have to own up to, and say, yeah, I'm really sorry. But one of, my, one of my kind of strategies, which I have to say never worked, but it always it seemed like a good idea at the time, was to say, ah, oh, yes, I know, I, know I've, I know I've messed up. I know I'm at fault. But I remember when you did X, Y, or Z. Because I always kind of thought, well, that will, that will help. That will, that will kind of, you know, it'll kind of get, it never did. It literally never did. Don't try that. Because it just never, ever worked. But I would try it because I kind of had a, you know, I had a, you know, I had a, I, you keep a list. And we do, don't we? When someone, you know, hurts us or, you know, or offends us, you know, we forgive them. We say that they're forgiven. But often when we see them, there's that little, oh, yeah, I remember. You know, we keep a record of wrongs, don't we? Love doesn't. Love doesn't. Love is hard. Love is really hard. We do keep a record of wrongs. And the, the thing that I would always go on to say in, when I was doing a, a preaching at a wedding service was having said, you know, look, this, this could be really depressing because how are you ever going to live up to this? Is to, well, this isn't, Paul, Paul isn't writing about his own love. He's not writing about human love. He's writing about the love that he's discovered in Jesus. He's writing, this is God's love. God doesn't keep a record of wrongs. That's the, that's the extraordinary thing. You know, as, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. You know, we can't even do that for ourselves. You know, when I sin, I, I can't remove my own sin as far as the east is from the west. I spend days beating myself up about it. And, and you know, weeks, months, years later, I'll remember something and it'll still be there. But as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed. That's what, his, that's what his love does. You know, if only we could do that for each other, what an, what an, you know, what an extraordinary community the church 
should be, could be, if we loved in the way that God loves us. If we removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, that when we, you know, we hurt each other, when we make mistakes and we, we, you know, we offer forgiveness, that's it. We don't remember it. It's gone. It's forgotten. You know, when we go back to God and, you know, we're reminding ourselves of something we've done wrong, he's like, oh, I don't remember what you're talking about. I've forgotten. My love has just consumed whatever it is that you're talking about. Doesn't, it doesn't exist for me anymore, the Lord says. We should love one another. It's hard. It's impossible without the Lord. It is impossible without the Lord. But with the Lord, it becomes possible. The, it just it absolutely it just breaks my heart to hear these stories. As, you know, Paolo was talking this morning about you know, Catholic Church in Argentina and just the, the corruption and all of that. It just breaks my heart because the church community should be the most loving community on the face of the earth. It should be the so full of life that everyone wants to be a part of it. It should be the most attractive community in the world. Um, uh, John goes on to, I'm not going to, don't panic. I'm not going to go through every verse. Uh, don't worry. But just some sort of highlights this morning. But this is extraordinary thing where he says, verse 15. I mean, I mean, it's all, there's so much in this. We could have like a whole term on this passage. Uh, you know, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. We just think about that for a moment. There's so much that we know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The evidence of our salvation is displayed in the way in which we love. You know, is, is that true? Is the way that we love those around us, or, you know, our friends, our family, people in this village, is the way in which we love, does it speak not just of, oh, there's a kind person, there's a nice person. Does it actually say there's someone with eternal life. It's, it's, a, it's just a different, just a totally different characteristic. Anyone who hates their brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in them. Anyone who hates their brother is a, is a murderer. Well, what's, what's that all about? Well, if you, what happens if you murder someone? Well, you take their life. That's what you do. If you murder someone, you take their life. So John is saying, well, if you, if you hate your brother or sister, if you hate someone, you're, you're taking life from them. You're taking life from them. How do you take life from someone by hating them? Now, there's a difference between hating what someone may have done to hating them. So sometimes people do things and we hate the behaviour because it's evil. That's different from hating someone because if you if you hate someone, you're saying you're saying something very intrinsic about about them. You're saying something about their nature and you're saying something about the image in which they're made. So if you hate someone, you're saying something. You're you're almost denying the image of God in them, and so you're taking life from them you're denying the possibility of redemption you're denying the possibility of salvation you're denying the power of the cross to make a difference in that person's life and so if you truly hate someone say distinction between behavior and 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 the person if you hate someone 
you're, mis- you're kind of taking life from them because you're denying the image of God in which they were made and the possibility of that redemption. Verse 16, this is where I'm going to kind of land. Uh, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So if we're to love each other, you know, you know what's the example? Now, this is not just about someone sacrificing their life as, you know, for someone else. You know, there are endless stories of self-sacrifice, people who have surrendered their lives in order to save somebody else. I was just, um, I remember a, a thing I wrote, I wrote a story about it a couple of years ago. It was a, a, a private plane that crashed in, in somewhere in South America. It went down. And I think there were only five people on the plane. And, uh, and everybody died in the crash apart from uh, a baby. And the baby survived because the mum shielded the baby with her, with her body. She realised, you know, we, we're going to crash. And so the mum had just scooped the baby tightly in her arms and wrapped herself around the baby. And the mum took the impact of the crash. So, the, so you know, the mum sacrificed her life in order to save her child. And there are lots of stories that we could tell like that. This is a, this is a different category of Jesus laying down his life for us. This, these things that we read about, they are inspired by what Jesus did. But what Jesus did is something altogether different. Let's just remind ourselves of two things. First of all, who is Jesus? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers uh, or authorities. God was pleased to have all his, dwellness, all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. So this Jesus, this is the creator of the universe. This is God himself making himself subject to his own creation. This is the most extraordinary love. Because this is the creator of all things, making himself subject to his own creation. And what's the attitude of that creation towards him? Let me just remind you of what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, Romans 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be made known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Uh, Verse 29, Romans 1. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So do you see the contrast between God and us? You know, we weren't interested in God. Paul describes us as God's enemies when God chose to become a human being and be born on earth. This is is love being expressed towards people who were not interested This is love being expressed towards a creation that has willfully rejected its creator. This is love being expressed towards a creation that has taken all of God's goodness 
and so totally corrupted and perverted it and become depraved. And yet on the cross, Jesus Christ is expressing the extraordinary love of God to a creation that has rejected its creator. This is not a creation saying, you know, we, we want your help. We need you. We need rescue. We need salvation. No, this is a creator whose love for his creation is so extraordinary that despite rejection, willful rejection, he says, I'm still going to love. I'm still going to love. Even if you throw it back in my face, I'm still going to love because that's my character. Remember, I started by saying how easy it is to love those people who are like us, who don't wind us up too much. Our, you know, our, our friends, our family, sometimes they fall into that category, don't they? But, um, you know, the people that we love, it's easy, it's easy to love. Well, that's not love. That's not love. Love is when you love those who don't want to be loved. Love is when you love those who have rejected you. Love is when you love those who throw it back in your face. That's what love is, that you just, you keep pouring it out in the hope that, well, Monday it might be returned. God poured out his love on the world, even when we weren't interested. And he continues to pour out his love on the world because he he can't do anything other than that because it's, it's the essence of who he is. It's the essence of his, his character and his heart. That's what love is. And on Christmas Day, that's what we celebrate. It's this extraordinary love. Way beyond anything that we could ever hope to imagine. This extraordinary love that God has for his creation. And his invitation is to be loved like that. That's, isn't that the greatest news to ever share with anybody? That actually you can be, you can be loved by a God who, 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 who has loved you in this way, who's expressed his love in this way, who he can't help himself. He can't help himself. He has to love. It's the essence of his character. That's the, it's the greatest story ever told, isn't it? That, that we should be loved like that. I said a bit about this on on Thursday night, this has been the, the journey of my life, is learning, learning to be loved like this. Undoing all of that damage that was done in my childhood and all this uh, kind of um, imperfect love that I was shown. That actually in, in, in God, there's something very, very different. And uh, I still, I'm still on a journey of learning what it is to be loved in this extraordinary way. And um, one day, uh, when I get to be with Jesus, I'll, you know, the penny will finally drop. And he'll be like, you get it now? Because <laughs> all my life I'm struggling with it. But how extraordinary that that's the message of, you know, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas, is that God loves us in this way. And when we understand that, then it becomes possible for us to love each other in this way. And when we do that, well, the, the, you know, the church should just be shining like a beacon because the world doesn't know anything like this love and um, let us be encouraged to love one another and let us be encouraged to share that love with one another and you know in in the days in which we're living when we get opportunity to talk about well you know how are you going to spend Christmas what are you doing at Christmas why you know just take these opportunities to say what it means to us
Uh, so, so much more that we could um, barely touch the surface of this passage. There's so much in it, but um, hopefully we've um, done a little bit of justice to it. And, um, you know, this is his command. Believe in the name of his son to love one another as he commanded us.